Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. doing Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 31st of May 2021 with me Daniel Ruiz Tyson episode 330 hope you're all well doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going readying yourself perhaps for the third wave which we are now being prepared for here in the UK that's just great every time I, I was sat outside the cafe last week Half the time, I was just thinking now, third wave, third wave. It's 14.21 hours here in the UK. It's a bank holiday. Just trying to treat it as a as a normal day. I, I keep saying it all the time. You know I'm not a bank holiday guy, but I would say, look, I'm open to the concept of bank holidays. I just wish they were staggered better through the year. We don't, we're not all obsessed with the sun. Why can't we have one or two bank holidays in the run up to Christmas? That's all I'm saying. I'd like to see that in my lifetime. And uh, I suppose now I've broken my audio famine. 76 hours up until a couple of minutes ago without talking. Still some way short of this year's PB by about 30 hours. I'm just trying to play with my levels here. I've got two more cables sent to me. Once by mistake by the same Amazon guy, but the other one they've sent me a cable in case the one that they sent me originally, the one that I paid for, wasn't working, but they've actually sent me two. I'm not going to go to the trouble of returning the uh, uh, the other one. It's happened a couple of times now. These guys, their admin isn't good. So hard swallow that. 76 hours without talking. I'm telling you, if there's a World Cup for introverts or misanthropes, I'm the UK entry. I don't think anyone would be able to dispute that. There'd be no one out there who could compete with me for that. It would have to be held here in the UK, the World Cup. Well, it have to be held either in Scotland, England or Wales because I refuse to fly anywhere. I suppose hosting the tournament, that would bring an added pressure, but I think I could deal with that pressure. I'm just not going to be flying anywhere. I'm actually reading a book at the moment ahead of an interview with a former player next week. And obviously in his career, he had to fly a lot. And just in the first hundred pages, he's recalled two incidents of being on a flight that ran into trouble. The first, it got hit by lightning, had to make an emergency landing. The second, I think it had just taken off, lost one of the engines and had to make another emergency landing. In his case, he was tanked up on the plane both times. I'm a teetotal guy. I wouldn't have that cushion. I'd be living every second of that if I was in the sky. Might see my cousin and his kids today for the first time in about, uh, whatever, 15, 16 months and uh, I wasn't sure whether I would go because, you know, I've been quite lethargic this week. But, you know, looking at the headlines today, the third wave stuff, I think this might be the last chance to see them before that third wave 
establishes itself and that easing of restrictions uh, again stops short of uh, a return to some semblance of normality. I've been chasing the the manhole covers again. So noisy. It's back to the same level now. I don't know what's going on with these levels, by the way. I wasn't happy with my levels last week. I'm playing around with the gain a bit and we'll see. We'll see what's what. I think I might have played around with them a bit too much last week and I'm just... How does that sound? No, that doesn't sound too good, my end. I can hear something coming through, some buzz coming through, which you won't hear, but it will put me off. So I'm just going to reduce that. So yeah, I might see my cousin later and his kids. That's about two and a half hours away yet. just depends how smooth this edit can be. The manhole covers, I've chased Thames again. No one's called me back, or if they have, they haven't left any messages. I can't see how they fix it. I just, I can't see them. If if they had a manhole cover that was quiet, they'd have put it there, I guess, three years ago. I don't think they're going to come up with something specifically for this road. I think I'm just going to have to accept that for as long as I continue to live here, I'm going to have to put up with this noise and that in podcasting terms, it's a, it's a major problem. Went for an early run today. My, well, my heart's never in it, but I could have gone on for the extra lap. And for the extra lap, I mean the second lap because that's all I'm managing post-COVID. But I just, I just couldn't do it. The grass is a bit long. If if I have an excuse, that that might be the excuse. But I don't know. I mean, the idea is to try and get a third lap. But the last two runs, I haven't even done a second lap. Friday, I just didn't feel good. I'll come to that later. Today, I could have done it, but I would have been pushing myself. The park was a bit busy. These are the excuses I'm telling myself. The excuses I'm finding. You'll always find excuses. So... Now I'm, um, you know, when I tell you that I don't like running, that's genuine. But when I tell you that what I do like is the post-run satisfaction that settles in, you've had your shower and suddenly you come out of the shower and you feel the benefit of that run and what you've put your body through, that I do value. And at the moment, I'm not really getting that because I'm starting to cut corners with uh, the running and I think part of that is I genuinely know that I've I'm weaker since having the virus and I spoke to my doctor about that last week and there wasn't much coming from him on that I don't know what they can do I think I've been fairly lucky in terms of if I have long COVID I'm fairly lucky in terms of how mild the symptoms are but there's certainly there's certainly something going on which is preventing me from recovering my fitness in full and it's just, I can't push my body. It's just so weak when I'm out there. So that's uh, frustrating. It was warm out there today. Not overly warm, but warm enough for me to just wear one top. I've had to stop wearing the buffer as well. So I just wear that on my wrist in case um, I need to mask up on some of the more narrow corridors in that park. There's a couple that I take on my route during the summer when those... um that part of the trail is uh, isn't too muddy, and so I just uh, mask up when I'm running through those trails. So it was a it was a lazy run today. I told myself that hey, look, I've got a fair bit to do. It's bank holiday. I need to take it easy. I wasn't feeling well on Friday. You you know you've done well to get out of here, you know to get out here. But hey, look, once I went out there, I should have been able to push myself. But I'm just not. 
able to find that discipline right now. I hope I can. But right now it, it it's missing. And I suppose now the pressure is on on Wednesday to get back up to two laps because at least I've been maintaining two laps. And now all of a sudden I've done two runs where I've just done a lap. My pace today was very good, but it would be because I'd only just done one lap. Plenty of gentrifiers out there this morning having picnics, having their sandwiches sat on the grass, the dog muck lurking like a shark just below the surface of the water. I just don't understand that. I don't understand how anybody can eat in a in a park. On the football show, got one interview tomorrow afternoon, which will finally bring me up to the 20 episodes I wanted to record before I start to release them. The 20th episode should have happened last week, but that recording fell through. One of the guys who I had been warned could be unreliable pulled out at the last minute, and I wouldn't have known unless I'd contacted them just to send them um, some uh, pre-show info that I send all guests on, getting the acoustics right, where they ought to be recording from, and what they should be wearing in terms of should they be wearing headphones. If they're on Zoom, ideally you want them to wear headphones, because if, if they start tapping on the desk or clapping, as some of them do when they're emphasizing their points, then they'll pick that up if they're wearing headphones. If they're not, they don't. And they continue making these uh, what become issues for me in the editing. And if it's done via WhatsApp audio, then I just tell them in the email, you just hold your handset like a normal phone call. And obviously, I've said it before, the um, WhatsApp audio is much better for a podcast. So that fell through. So I'm stuck on 19, got the 20th one tomorrow. So a bit frustrated by that. I just, you know what I'm like with my OCDs. I set myself a target. I need to hit that target. I don't want to be cutting any corners. Memorable encounter of the week last week. Was this Thursday or Friday? I think this was Thursday on my way to my aunt and uncle's. I'd stopped off in Superdrug. I'm trying to think why now. I think I went to get a couple of those um, Hall's throat lozenges, which are really good. They they are a very effective decongestant. And I I stumbled upon them when I had the virus. And then I continued taking them simply because I like the taste. They're sugar-free, so I wasn't too worried about, um, you know, what damage I might be doing to the teeth having these. But I realized that they're the only thing that are that really enable me to breathe properly. So I've just kept at it. When I spoke to the doctor last week, he said, yeah, halls are good. Keep using those while I try to work on getting you a hospital appointment for the tinnitus, which is connected to the nose constantly being blocked right now. It's all part of the same thing. So I'd gone into super drugs. I think I was looking for some sun cream as well, which I might need to buy more of later. And, uh, you know, when you're a pale-skinned Spaniard like I am, you need to be... uh, creaming up before you go out into the sun and in winter too i'm one of those who will wear the sun cream in winter as we're supposed to to protect my skin and as i was coming out of super drugs i saw that the cleaner one of the cleaners was sweeping up the doorway the the entrance and they used to have an entrance and an exit in this pandemic age they've just got the one door so people are in and out through the same door and I attempted to rush through because I was aware that the lady was trying to clean the doorway and, you know, I'm appreciating her work. I don't want to be getting in the way, let her get on with her work, just hurry on through. As I tried hurrying on through, there were two women coming towards me. So I stepped back, let the first one come through, uh, maybe uh, middle-aged, younger than me, coming through, walking stick. And she just said to me, even though I'd let her come in before me, she said to me, 
what are you in such a rush for? Just full of disdain. And I was thinking, I didn't say nothing because I was completely thrown. And I also, uh, also I thought, well, this woman obviously having a row would not be a problem for her given what she's just said to me. What is it to you if I'm in a rush or not? I've let you come through, haven't I? I've done the chivalric thing. I've let you come through. So if I was in a rush, I've paused that rush to allow you to come through. I've been a gentleman. I've let you come through. Why do you need to say that to me? And if I am in a rush, it's not your business. If I'm not in a rush, it's not your business either. And obviously, she had a lot of time on her hands because of what she said to me. So she's not in a rush for anything. But again, that's not my business. If she's in a rush or not in a rush, that's not my business. I was just, it almost made me chuckle. I just thought that's such a a South London thing, such a South London incident. And uh, here I am four or five days later, I've still not forgotten the rude superdrug woman. Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Episode 330. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westeggfacebook.com forward slash DRT. Available. You can find all the work. I'll leave that in there. That's what I'm putting up with. Did you hear that? That was just so sudden, so abrupt. It's like, you know, I'm on a blind spot. They come here quietly, and then as soon as they're outside the building, they fire it up. I won't miss this place. If the day ever comes, if I live long enough to get away from here, I will not miss this place. I I won't miss anything about it. You can find all this work at DanielRuizTyson.com. There are PayPal and Coffee.com links on there. If you want to make a one-off donation to the show, you'll get the latest Patreon episode we transfer to you on the day. Most importantly, though, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. It's not going too well. I'm not going to make any bones about it, but, you know, losing patrons, I've got to continue. I knew that this wouldn't be easy when I launched that 18 months ago. I probably didn't think it would be this difficult, but that's what it's like these days online for creators if they lack that uh, visibility it's not easy to build these things up i'm not going to be going back to doing one bonus show a week for five pounds a month because that would be a stupid use of my time not worth it and you know we're we're in an age where creators are constantly giving away their content and i'm just not going down that route again so for anyone dropping the patreon because They think, well, those weekly bonus shows, they're not being done anymore, just getting one or two a month. Uh, I'm sorry if that's why you've dropped the Patreon, but um, it doesn't make any sense for me to go back to that. You know, I've got bigger ambitions than this show, and the Patreon for this podcast is a bargain. It's still a giveaway. It does mean things like plans for live online streams are on hold. That requires a, a monthly subscription, which would wipe out some of the little coming into this show but say you know these these are things that i need to deal with Uh, let's move on to books i'm reading the secret of prisoner 1167 at the moment a book about a broadmoor prisoner in the 1880s subtitle is was this man jack the ripper it's by james tully i think it was published in 90 
97. When uh, someone, I know why someone is referred to as Jack the Ripper on the book title, you know, the, the heading or the subheading. But for example, if I hear someone on a podcast, there are plenty of shows on the Whitechapel murders out there and I'll always listen to them. But when the hosts refer to the killer as Jack the Ripper, I know right away that those people don't know much about the Ripper. It's just no one, no Ripperologist refers to the Ripper as Jack the Ripper. I know enough about that now to to know that's the case. Also, I do regard myself as someone who finds it hard to retain information. But what I've learned in the last sort of couple of years is that if something interests me, and even though I might be thinking, well, I'm not taking this on board, I'm not absorbing this information, I find that I actually am. It's 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 finally lodging in. And I've I've learned this with the Ripper stuff. I, I've read so much and listened to so much, especially over the last few years, that when I'm reading something now or when I'm listening to something and they, they say they go into the night of the double event, which if I remember rightly was the 29th of September 1888, I immediately know what's coming up. And uh, that might have been the night that they found the mysterious graffiti daubed on the wall, or I think they call it graffito for some reason in um, in Rippleland. And so it, through this and through one or two other things, through things like using the mixing desk, I, it does remind me that I am that kind of guy who finds it hard to retain information. But if there is some enthusiasm for something, if there is an interest in something, even though I might think I'm not taking that information in, I am, but I just won't be aware of it until I come to it again the next time and instinctively I know what's coming next. That tells me a lot about myself. Uh, let's move on to... Um, no, actually, I've got to give you the blurb to this book. And the, by the way, this book is about, uh, it's about 23, 24 years old now. When did I say it was? 97. Okay, 24 years old. And you know what I'm like with books. I see a typo, it kills me. And I think they've become a bigger problem in the last sort of decade as maybe publishing companies of less resources. They might have smaller teams now working on their books. So the problems are getting bigger. But this is a book that's about 24, 25 years old. And it's still full of typos, so I'm not sure if my theory does hold water. And also, it's from a big publishing company, but um, I've seen these typos. I'm about halfway, I think, now through the book. I've seen these typos, four or five now. Yeah, it's disappointing. Let's get to the blurb. Examining the Whitechapel murders of 1888, the text asks who was the convicted killer at large in London's East End? Why did the police fail to catch him? How was he able to remain on the run for 40 years? And what is the connection between this man's name and occupation and Jack the Ripper? As I've said before, I'm not really reading this stuff because I want to hear people's theories on who they might think is the Ripper. You know, I suppose it's interesting to know who the suspects are, but it's never going to be resolved now. So that for me isn't why I'm reading this stuff. I'm reading it because it fascinates me, because there is that connection to my the first house I lived in through uh, Frederick Abilene. But also, I think it's just a really interesting period in history, because through these murders, unfortunately, the, the well, the only plus was that it shone a light on how scummy 
the situation in the East End was it was a slum and things slowly began to change as the wealthy began to notice what was on their doorstep and they were horrified by it and decided to do something. And and that's a genuine positive offshoot of these murders. It's the only positive, if you could call it a positive. It, it reminds me a bit of um, Grenfell. One thing, I mean, apart from the horror of Grenfell, what really disappointed me about that was on the news the following day, there were local people, wealthy inhabitants from the same borough, who said they had no idea that people lived as those poor people were living in Grenfell. Well, you had no idea that they lived like that because you chose not to know, because you're in your ivory towers. That, for me, is really disappointing. I suspect there was a bit of that in 1888, but at least slowly the East End began to get cleaned up. Let's move on to breakfast news. I'm conscious this might be a short show today. Uh, Breakfast news, 73 appearances in 92 days for Toast. Now, Crackers made their solitary appearance this week on Saturday loaf my way through sloth saturday just on the toast i don't know what's going on with the fridge because i had a four pints of semi-skimmed milk that turned on me four days before the expiry date so i don't know what's going on there and similarly i had a loaf that spoiled the final two slices of that loaf i had to chuck this morning so i've had to crack open a a new loaf my aunt's on the phone there i'll I'll call her back uh, after this and It's thrown me now. Where was I? Toast. Yes, Saturday. I think it might have been Saturday. One of the slices of bread... No, it was yesterday. One of the slices of bread was really thin. So I actually added a cracker into my breakfast. It was the first time I'd had a a cocktail of toast and a single uh, cracker. So Sloth Saturday, I took it fairly easy, which is always the intention behind Sloth Saturday, but I'd felt unwell on Friday. I had headaches. I think I probably had hay fever. I was sneezing a lot on the bus. I was feeling very lethargic. I was okay in the cafe. I was working quite well outside, and it was a fairly decent day. It was a nice warm day, actually, the first, I think, of the year, and I was able to work fairly well. I was just uh, working pen on paper, didn't take the laptop as I had to do my shopping afterwards. Saturday, I had to spend mostly in bed. Just again, as I as I say, I wasn't feeling great. Listening to various podcasts, anything I could find. For some reason on Saturday, I just wanted to find stuff to listen to on the Jewish revolt of 66 AD and the 73-74 AD, which is of even more interest to me. Just both of those periods, they are a period of history that really fascinate uh, me, especially Masada, the... Um, 73, 74 AD siege when you had, I think it was 900 people in this fortified city holding out against the Romans. As someone who follows, albeit I acknowledge that my faith is very much lapsed these days and has been for a long time, but you know, I still say my prayers every night, so I think there is some faith still there. Might just be an OCD that I fear my world might collapse if I don't say my prayers for the first time since I was four years old. But Whenever I say my prayers, most of the time I'm aware that I'm following the teachings of a Jewish man denied by his own people. It's an extraordinary story. It's better than Star Wars, I would say. And I've just always been fascinated by Jewish people as a, as a, as a very young boy 
you know, I read the Old Testament back to front. I read the New Testament, but the Old Testament especially fascinated me because I couldn't work out why we had the Old Testament and the New Testament. I couldn't work out other characters in the Old Testament. Are they related to Jesus? But as you know, I wanted to be a priest when I was a kid. So the Bible was a very big thing for me. And I've just always been fascinated by Jewish people, more so, I suppose, because as multicultural as South London is, and it was wonderful growing up in such a diverse community, I, I feel that I really benefited from that. It was, a, it was a great way to grow up. As much as I've hated growing old, I'm really glad I had the benefit of that early upbringing in that type of community. But the one thing we didn't have was a Jewish community. The, you know, the, the Jewish community settled north of the river here in London. And the fact that no race of people has probably had a harder time than the Jewish community, I, I find it hard to get my head around any form of racism. But to go to the extent, to, to, to think that there are people who go to the extent of trying to eliminate an entire race of people from this planet is just plain strange. And I like the fact that the Romans, particularly when it came to Judea, they were able to step back a bit. They were able to allow the Jews a considerable say in the way their state was run and how they, the Romans that is, how they struggled with some of the quirks of the Jewish religion. It's fascinating and the Jewish revolt especially interests me the whole period you know that 30 40 years after the death of Jesus and the apostles pretty much being hunted down one by one the the split between the early followers of Jesus and the Gentiles who followed the Pauline version of Christianity I'd love to see HBO make a historical series of this so it wouldn't start on the basis that Jesus rose on the third day and follow the biblical narrative. It would follow the historical narrative, the historical Jesus existed. I, I don't think anyone disputes that. So my HBO series would start after the supposed ascension to heaven from Jesus, but we don't see him. Okay, it's important to remember that we don't see him. He'd be like Charlie and Charlie's Angels, but we don't even see him holding a phone or anything like that. Our story starts with the disciples, uh, with Mary, uh, the disciples morphing into the apostles, the stoning of the first apostle to be killed. I think, was it Stephen? I think it might have been Stephen. We have among our characters James, the brother of Jesus, and his early church. Uh, we have, we don't have police sirens. That's for sure. We don't have police sirens in this uh, show. We have Paul and his conversion. We'll call that episode because it'd be easy to just call it that. The road to Damascus makes sense. The series one cliffhanger, we end with the execution of Paul in Rome and the first Jewish revolt. It can't be made by UK producers because they'll wreck it. You know, I don't want to be involved with some line of duty type stuff or night manager. None of that rubbish has to be US produced. Masada, that can be the focus of series two. I think we've got ourselves a series here. I really do. I think we've got ourselves the potential for a great series, a series on the historical aftermath of that world after Jesus. And now uh, following on from this pitch, let's just uh, review my week in a bit more detail. Hard swallow that long week last week. Hospital, I think that was Tuesday. And uh, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was Tuesday. I just felt like I was paying the price 
for pushing myself too hard. It might have been just the relief that that long-standing hospital appointment was now over. I mean, those guys did everything to me in there. It was a one-stop clinic. It was two really intense hours. There was a, a weird blood test with some guy who was clearly a nutter. They'd hold him up in a tiny small room. I pride myself on my small talk with hospital staff, healthcare professionals. I've become very good at it. And he was in this tiny room, no window. And I said, how are you working in this small room? And he responded, but then he started saying, well, I've always grown up in really small rooms, so I'm used to it. I don't mind, etc." And he wasn't wearing gloves. And I was thinking, this is a bit strange. He couldn't find my records. So I was there for 10 minutes before he even uh, pricked me with that syringe. And I'd also told him the usual story that I always tell any nurse that's, uh, you know, taking my blood. How it's a genuine story, how I wanted to be a nurse. I thought he wanted to be a priest. I wanted to be a nurse after wanting to be a priest. Is that okay with you? Can I not have wanted to be more than one thing? The reason I decided not to be a nurse was, well, it was threefold, I think. I realized that I was only, perhaps my biggest incentive to be a nurse was I thought it'd be an easy way to meet women. I don't think I could have done blood tests. I, I would have been too clumsy for needles. And, you know, the idea of washing and cleaning people, you know, fundamentals of nursing, basically, they weren't for me. What I liked was the idea of working in a hospital surrounded by women and also the fact that, you know, you're in a ward and pretty much every day there are new patients coming in and going out and it keeps you interested. You know, the scene is changing constantly, not like an office. It's not like working for the man. You're doing something valuable too. Anyway, this guy, I told him, yeah, I told him that whole thing about fearing needles as well. He said, oh, don't worry, you've got good veins, which I do. I've got very good veins. That's the workouts for you. He stuck that needle in and I thought, how unlucky am I? Why do I always get the guys that don't know how to take your blood it was so painful. And then he started making excuses. Oh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And we got talking. I could just feel this needle in me. It turned out it was his first day there. I'd been asking him all these questions about what it was like in the hospital during the first and second waves. And he was answering the questions. So I got the impression that he was there. This is where he worked. But no, apparently it was his first day here. And they probably just tossed him into a room and left him to it without wondering whether he was actually any good at his job and that was probably the worst moment of the hospital visit even though probably about 20 minutes earlier my first meeting with the doctor who I saw at the end as well had ended with the line from the doctor restore your dignity Mr Ritz I'll leave that uh, to your imagination what he was referring to Plus side from last week, finished my book proposal on Friday night. Again, just shows how stupid my lifestyle is at the moment, trying to, well, rather than switching off, I'm, you know, working on a book proposal late on a Friday going into a bank holiday weekend. But uh, I've been dragging my feet over it and I just wanted to get it out and uh, it is now out. Let me give you my nectar points for the week to receipts. Both from the 25th. What's the day today? The 31st. So these are both from Tuesday. Okay. 
Right. So the second one was a Sainsbury's local. The first one was the Big Nine Elms Monster. Minimal purchases. Actually, what's going on here? Both the 25th, and I seem to have bought milk in both. Oh, no, one is a yogurt. Okay, so my first trip, I uh, bought some sweet chilli sauce in Sainsbury's, paying over 50p extra for the Sainsbury's one, as that's been, um, there's been a shortage in Lidl at the moment. Bought some yogurts, bought some printer paper, needed some printer paper, and I had to buy a bag for life, 20p. Uh, earned 306 points, sorry, earned six points. I've given it away now. Earned six points on £6.45. My previous points balance was 306. That meant I came out of there with 312 points. And uh, later on, just on my way to my aunt's, I spent pound fifteen on some semi-skimmed milk. Gave me um, That gave me a point. My new points balance is 313 points, so worth £1.00. 56. No Star Wars football this week to report. Just one game left to play. The European Cup final between Tatooine, the current holders, and Endor. I'd like to do it before May finishes, so I need to do it today. But something seems to be holding me back. I just have no enthusiasm for it right now. And I worry that playing it in my current mood might affect the game. I've had five seasons of the Silver Age. The, the, the final season to date has really dragged on, and I just don't want to spoil... I don't want to play a game and think, oh, I can't be arsed with this anymore in the way that uh, used to happen to me as a kid. You know, I'd have spells playing something intensely, then I wouldn't play it for for about a year. That hasn't happened with Star Wars football in the last couple of years. It's carried me through a very difficult period in my life. There's a throat going. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering whether I might have reached that point now. Very hard to explain. And I don't want to... You know, I don't want to spoil what this game, how it's helped me the last, uh, you know, what, 22 months now? I think that and the running, they've pretty much started up in tandem. Also, I think one thing that might be holding me back with a Star Wars is that during the close season, I like to, you know, carry out a few transfer deals. And last season, there were, you know, several transfer deals where the players didn't really settle into their new clubs and they had to be moved on during the January window. And I think I don't want to just be swapping players for the sake of it. I want players to be able to fit into the teams they're playing for. And all the teams have their own distinctive style. I've said that before, particularly Death Star. There's something very enigmatic about that team, very problematic when it comes to building a balanced squad with those guys. A quick trip to the cafe now, Thursday 27th of May, my first latte order from the new guy, new to me anyway. Poor tall glass delivery, quite a bit of spillage on the saucer. I tweeted a a picture of the spillage, I think I posted it on the Instagram page too. He's the most muscular of the waiters and I wonder if that plays a part. He's quite buff, he's upright, he's got a centaur-like posture, which I just wonder if that's, if his build might make him too rigid in his delivery. You know, you get uh, certain footballers, let's say Michael Owen, mid-career onwards, 
he became quite built, I think, in order to try and counter the hamstring problems that he was having. And that extra muscularity seemed to slow him down even more. I think Emil Heskey was another one who probably piled on the the too much muscle, I think, uh, in the middle part of his career again. I think uh, Gabby Agbon Lahore at Aston Villa had been warned by his manager he'd become too muscular. I think this guy at the cafe might be too muscular to be a um, an elite waiter. So, uh, I mean, at the moment, it's only one delivery I've had from him, but the spillage was spectacular. We'll see if the next latte... Uh, latte if the next latte that I order from him has the same spillage accrued on the saucer also you've got to take into account that I'm currently outdoors in the cafe I'm guessing the tall glass delivery is a bit trickier outdoors the pavement's on a you know on on, on a bit of a gradient on that corner it's Lambeth the paving stones aren't going to be even probably not as flat as the cafe is internally so that's uh, I suppose something uh, to take on board as well and that is it that is the end of uh, today's show that is the end of May if you've enjoyed the show and have yet to do so do please rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts it does make a difference helps the show gain a greater visibility all important for small shows like this now it's time for you to get those shoulders back keep on walking towards the sun keep washing those hands I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. <laughs>